Well, good evening, everybody. Welcome to our carols by candlelight service, uh, particularly if you're a visitor. Um, it's great to have you with us uh, this evening. And if you're watching online, I'm very pleased that you're able to join us in that way tonight. Uh, the service will include a, a series of readings and carols that will flow unannounced. So when the words do come uh, on the screen, please do just stand to, to sing. Um, the choir will be doing a solo. We've got Elizabeth Law doing a harp solo as well. And they've got Saab speaking to us later on. We're going to start with the lighting of our Advent candle. And it's great to have the Granger family who are going to do that, do that for us. Prepare the way of the Lord. We light this candle in peace, the peace that Jesus, our Saviour, gives to the world. Prepare then the way of the Lord. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Let's pray pray and commit our service to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you that at Christmas Jesus came into the world as our Saviour to deal, deal with our sin and to bring us the greatest peace we need, peace with you. We thank you that you're with us now by your Spirit. And we pray this evening as we listen to the words of the carols, as we hear the readings read from your word, you would help us to focus on the truth of those words, help us to forget all the worries and concerns that we may have and to leave them with you. And help us to trust in your goodness towards us. And fill us, we pray, with wonder at the amazing act of humility that Jesus should come down to earth as our Saviour to bring us eternal peace and joy. In his name we pray. Amen. The reading is from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38 and foretells the birth of Jesus. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, You who are highly favoured, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
so the Holy One to be born would be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. It's Luke chapter 2 and verses 1 to 12. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Luke chapter 2 verses 13 to 20. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Let's come to God now in prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that in another year when we've had to do without many of the the pleasures you give us, things that we often take for granted, that we can still enjoy the most important gift, the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that he humbled himself and came down to earth from heaven and took on human flesh. We thank you for the miracle of his birth by the power of the Holy Spirit and for the good news that the angels brought for all the people, the birth of a saviour. 
We thank you that he can be our king forever and make it possible for us to be friends with you. We are sorry when we've placed more value on the pleasures we've lost than on Jesus himself. We're sorry when we've forgotten why he came to save us from our sins. We're sorry when we're more interested in the presents we receive than those we give. We're sorry when we're more interested in making sure we have a good time than looking out for those who are sad or lonely. Please forgive us and help us to make Jesus the number one in our lives this Christmas. We do pray for those who are sad and lonely this Christmas, those who remember the loss of loved ones, those struggling without social contact. May they know your love and the love of your people. Pray for those who are ill or in hospital at this time, those waiting for hospital treatment or recovering from treatment, that you would grant them healing, keep them strong in their faith and fill them with a hope of eternal life. Pray for those who are homeless, that you would find them shelter. Those who become separated from other family members, that you would bring reconciliation. For those living in places where there is war going on or where they're persecuted for their faith, that you would keep them safe and bring peace. For those who do not yet know the true meaning of Christmas, that they would hear and understand the good news of Jesus and come to know him as their own Lord and Saviour. We pray that we would all be filled with the joy of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Next reading is Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned but in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. 
John 1, 1 to 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Uh, Before I speak, let me just pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this season of Christmas. Father, we pray that by your spirit you'd be at work in our hearts. Uh, Speak to us and draw us closer to yourself. Help us to see something more of your majesty, holiness, and of our need for you. Amen. Now, I wonder if you were to walk up and down the streets of Tame or Long Crendon, uh, I wonder how people would respond to the question, what does Christmas mean for you? Uh, Thanks to pollsters, uh, we don't have to guess. Uh, We're going to run a short videotape that gives us the answer to that question. I think it means a family time. Uh, I think it's time of getting together. Christmas means to me is, is just getting together with my family. Like, if that's the most important thing. Family. Yeah, four games. Monopoly. It's um, the light in your kids' eyes when they see their presents and uh, that excitement in the morning. I think that's what it's all about. Christmas to me isn't about gifts. It's about time, being with family and friends. Time spent with those that you care about and want to be with. Opportunity to be with family, friends, catch up um, and enjoy some time off from work. Christmas is all about family because my family were huge as like 10 siblings and I don't get to see them. I think family is the big important thing. Like I have 14 family members and we all just get together and it's just about, because they're from all around the world, so it's just a way of getting everyone together. No, I think it's just a the kind of vibe I get from people is a lot more warmer.
Now, I wonder if uh, any of those uh, answers on the video clip uh, resonated uh, with you. Now, for sure, some of those things certainly are part of what Christmas is about. But the question is, is that really what's at the heart of Christmas? What is at the heart, the very heart of Christmas? And I want us just to think about three quick questions this evening. Uh, What do our hearts want this Christmas? Firstly. Secondly, what does Christmas reveal about God's heart? And thirdly, think about your heart this Christmas. So what do our hearts want? What does it reveal about God's heart? And what about your heart this Christmas? Firstly, uh, what our hearts want for Christmas. Uh, In the videotape, there are a couple of moments that uh, the chap related about a certain vibe, that this time of year, people were just that little bit happier. Uh, There was a draw, wasn't there, towards spending time with family, people that we love, uh, friends. You know, there's a sense, isn't there, running throughout all humanity, that there is a place where we can belong. Uh, That there's a place that we will be welcomed and accepted. A place where everyone will rejoice. Just because you're there, everyone will rejoice for that. A place where you are known and loved just for being you. And that sense that there is a place where we belong is deeply rooted in each one of us. There is, in the words of C.S. Lewis, there's a deep memory trace of a place that we know in our hearts that we belong A place that we haven't visited, we haven't been there, but it's right at the very heart of who we are. A place where we know we have been made to dwell. Uh, And in some way, uh, Christmas seems to flood the room with the aroma of the possibility that we could be invited to such a place. And that really warms our hearts, doesn't it? It really does. And maybe you're here tonight and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. Uh, Welcome. It's great that you've been able to join us here this evening. Yet to all people, Christmas seems to hold out, doesn't it? The hope of something so much bigger than us. The possibility that the deepest longings of our hearts could be met. And that's exciting. But there's a problem. There is a problem, isn't there? And the problem is that our hearts condemn us. We long to be in a community where we are loved and known, a place where our hearts respond by just singing out in delight, where others would delight in seeing us, being with us, where joy would overflow. But as we've journeyed through this last week, this month, or over the past decades, we know Deep down, that we're not actually that lovable. We know that if people could really look into our hearts, if they really knew the things that we had done, that we wouldn't be lovable. The people that we've hurt, the anger that erupts from our hearts, the petty jealousies that seem to rob us of any joy and goodwill towards others. And the harshness with which we speak and cut down and belittle others. If we stop and look into our hearts, we know that actually we're not that lovable 
inside. We believe that we deserve to be rejected, to be cancelled, and to be unfriended. And because of that, our hearts tell us that there is no way that we could ever be loved in the way that we want to be loved. And as a result of that, we experience paralyzing anxiety, don't we? The fear that what's in our hearts might be discovered, and that cripples us. And we see that all around us uh, and in our lives, we can see that playing out. We self-medicate with many things, don't we? With retail therapy, with alcohol, with casual encounters and other addictive activities. Uh, Surgery to improve our looks, education to get the best grades and the best universities, trophy houses, trophy spouses, and all to deaden the pain of knowing the truth in our hearts that we are not that lovable. And so the place that we know in our hearts, the place that we know that we belong, seems to be a place that is closed to us. So what are we to do? What are we to do? Well, our default is to go one of two ways, to go the way of the moralist or the way of the liberal. Uh, The moralist or the religious types, if you like, uh, they say that you just need to work that little bit harder, don't you? You just need to do better and then your hearts will no longer condemn you. But that doesn't work. Uh, If you manage to keep the rules, you'll become arrogant and hard-hearted and you'll look down your nose at those who aren't keeping the rules the way that you are. And eventually you will fail to keep your own rules and you'll be crushed. Or the liberals say, live however you want because you determine what's good enough. But as you live just for yourself, life becomes thin, it becomes dissatisfying, and it just leaves you empty. You never feel good enough because the notion becomes meaningless. Neither the way of the moralist nor the way of the liberals will give us what our hearts really long for. What we need is the real heart of Christmas. What we need is a bright revelation of who we are and a bright revelation of God's heart. And that brings us to our second point, what Christmas reveals about God's heart. Uh, The question for for us this evening is, why does Christmas so stir our hearts? Uh, Whether you're a believer or not, it stirs our hearts because of what it reveals about who God is about his love for us. And that's the Christian message. And in a nutshell, it's this, that the one true living God is the one who created all things. The furthest nebula and the recesses, the darkest recesses of space and the subatomic forces that keep atoms together. He created all of that, all the variety of life on earth, all things And God created humanity and placed us in a unique position as stewards over all creation. And at the start, humanity lived face to face with God in a place where we were known and loved. But we rebelled. We rejected God and we turned from him. The created order was shattered like a mirror hit with a stone, splintered and cracked but still reflecting an image that is distorted 
and imperfect. And because of our rejection, death came into the world. But even though we rejected God, this is amazing. Even though we rejected God, he didn't abandon us. Even though we didn't stop to give God a second thought, he didn't forget us. God looked into your heart and my heart and he saw the way that we despise him. But he didn't condemn us. No. Rather, because God's love for each one of us is so deep, so wide, so relentless, that God chose to repair the broken relationship between us and him. He sent his son. You see, he sent his son because the problem of our rebellion is so huge. Our rebellion against God is no small thing. Our broken relationship with God cannot be fixed by us. We need rescue. We need a light in the darkness. And that's what our reading from John's Gospel gave us earlier on this evening. We need a rescue and God provided that through Jesus. Christmas is exciting because it points to Easter. It shows us how we're rescued. The rescue comes because God pays the price of our rebellion. God rescues us. Jesus is that plan of rescue. The baby in the manger grew to be a man. A man who lived the life that we should have lived. Loving God with all his heart, his mind, his soul and his strength. And loving his neighbor as himself. And then Jesus died the death that we deserve. Jesus took upon himself the price of our rebellion against God. Dying in our place. Jesus dying in your place. And in mine. The price has been paid in full. No matter what you said, no matter what you thought, no matter what you have done, it's all been paid. Nothing puts you outside of God's desire to save you. No crime is too heinous, no betrayal too ugly, no lie too grave. The price of our rebellion paid in full. And all because our penalty fell on Jesus for those who trust in Jesus. For those who trust in what he has done for us will find themselves adopted into God's family. We move from being rebels to being children of the one true living God. So Christmas reveals God's heart for us, Christmas tells us that even though we're broken inside, that the one who created the universe loves you. Christmas reveals God's heart and his love for you. A love you can trust because Jesus died on the cross to make a relationship with the living God possible. A relationship that will see you through this life and into eternity. And you know it's certain because God raised Jesus from the dead. And why do our hearts sing at Christmas? Our hearts sing at Christmas because of the promise of the new heavens and the new earth that's awakened in our hearts. Our hearts know that God one day will make all things new, 
recreate this world so there is no more death, no pain, no more disease, no more suffering. Where the old order is done away with. And that's the place where God himself will welcome you into his arms and wipe away every tear. That's the place where you will be fully known and fully loved. That's the place where everyone will know your name. And there'll be a party like there's never been on earth. All the deepest longings of your heart will be met and exceeded. So as our hearts hear of Jesus' birth at Christmas, deep down, our hearts are warmed. And our hearts, we know those truths. And our hearts want those truths. That longing at Christmas for joyful gathering with family and friends points forward to God's promises through all eternity. Our hearts know that and our hearts want that. Christmas reveals that truth and certainty to us. But where's your heart this Christmas? The promises that God holds out for us are for those who will trust in Jesus. The promises are held out as a free gift to anyone. Any color, any race, any age, any class, any gender, any sexuality. The gift is free to you. But you must accept it. Like a present that has your name on it. But if it remains under the tree under the tree at Christmas, unopened, you haven't accepted it. The birth of Jesus is the biggest gift of them all, a gift that brings you into a living relationship with the one true God. Have you received that gift? Have you claimed that gift and trusted in it for yourself? If you're not a believer and you're here with us this evening, uh, why don't you pick up one of these It's a small eyewitness account of the life, the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And investigate, look into these Christian claims for yourself. It's in God's word, this, that you will find the answers to the biggest questions and the deepest longings of your heart. So why don't you let me buy you a coffee, a wine glass or a pint of beer? And we can chat about the big questions Uh, that you have or join us in a course that we'll be running in the new year to look into Christian things if God is prompting your heart this evening why not look into Christian things a little bit further why not do that one thing let me pray our father we thank you for Jesus help us to see more of who Jesus is Draw us to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we hope you've enjoyed your time with us this evening. And uh, as Sarb says, if there are questions that are raised in your mind, do please uh, grab him or Colin or myself afterwards. We'd be very pleased to chat to you about those. But let me now close now with a prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you that Christmas reveals your heart as a heart of love towards all you have made, a love towards us human beings, even when we have rejected you. 
Thank you that your heart is one to, to save us. And so we thank you that you sent Jesus Christ at Christmas time as our saviour. And thank you for what Christmas reveals of our hearts. There's a deep longing for something more than this life offers. A longing for something of eternity. An eternal hope. An eternal peace. Eternal joy. And thank you that we can find that in Jesus Christ. So Lord, we pray, if we don't yet know Jesus, you reveal him to us. And if we do know him, Lord, help us to go from here wanting to live each day for him and to glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.